woke up in a lucid dream. Now we're hunting for the shards. We might be an oddball team, but at least we've got no bards. World Hi, I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of Worldwalkers. In our last episode, the group survived an encounter with winged monstrosities, protecting not only each other, but the lives of every person aboard the Falcon. Now, the airship approaches the travel city of Kosnik, where the group wishes to secure passage on their way to the eastern edge of the steam-powered world of Cog. Is there anything you guys want to do on the ship before you hit the travel city of Kosnik? Uh, drop things off the side. <laughs> I'm assuming that there's enough time for it to count as a full rest, so we're all back to everything oh, yeah, that yeah. we had. Yep, two days. Yes, so. Tin nice. would like that very much. Yeah, <laughs> Vasa would like to use her newfound standing as hero amongst the ship to kind of walk around and see if it's has anything. Just kind of like looking around, see if there's storage. What? What's that room <laughs> over there? What's that over there? Yeah, they actually have a whole cargo area. Um, it looks like they've got a few jobs after this. So there's all kinds of goods if you wanted to get up ends. Such as? Well, so if you start exploring, um, popping over crates and stuff like that, as you can, um, you would see one box is just full of different types of seeds. Um, another box, this one, this particular box you come up to is pretty well sealed up. Um, so mm -hmm. would you like to... Crack it open. What does this? What does the box look like? So this box is five feet by five feet, and it's just a large wooden crate. But it's nailed down top to bottom on the lid, like all around the edge. It's completely nailed down, and then uh, it also has a series of leather straps with locks on them. Does it have any inscriptions on it? Any imagery? Nothing. Nope. Can I lean in and sniff it? What does it smell like? Uh, it doesn't have any particular scent. Not anything more overwhelming than the ship's general greasy, steamy self. Mm -hmm. If I rap on it, does anything respond from within? Uh, whatever's in there is incredibly heavy. Lassa thinks to herself that it might be gold. But then again, you know, she's in good standing, so she'll just keep an eye on it, but not bother it much. Um, she also would like to hang on a sec i was gonna oh yeah you know what she's gonna pilfer some of those seeds just a little handful mark them as falcon seeds falcons don't come from seeds <laughs> unless they do on the steam plank planet of a cog <laughs> they're called eggs pedro <laughs> pedro <laughs> all right then vasa's she's just gonna go back and go with the crew all right anyone else tending to any kind of business before we get there Seeing that there's no more danger, Roboto has walled himself into a room and shut down to low power mode. <laughs> um, he doesn't like flying at all. And, um, well, I mean, he's ready to go if someone needs him, but otherwise he's just walled himself off. He's <laughs> just like, nope. Is he having kind of a Timon and Pumbaa style reaction when Simba hooks up with Nala about Brummelstone 
and <laughs> like is that kind of going on a little just yes, like you can see what's happening i can see what's happening what yeah and da, they don't da, have da, a clue da, da. <laughs> they'll fall in love and here's the bottom we're going to uh something that you might not know about uh your version of the forge it's a little different than tins in that on obrimos the forge as you know are comprised of an elemental uh stone right that holds an elemental and you, so in some ways you're actually more of an elemental than like a golem type creature right mm-hmm. when you choose to sleep the forge on your world call it unchained because unchained. they can kind of let their elemental spirit kind of drift off back into the elemental plane of their origin. So, like, if you choose to sleep, if you choose to drift off or meditate, you kind of are, like, halfway between worlds when you do that. Interesting. Just to let you know. Am I aware? Was the reporter aware of this? Yeah, yeah. He he would know. He's. I mean, he's probably done it before. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, when you choose to sleep, I don't think I've ever... uh, I tried to um, abbreviate all the stuff I sent you guys. Mm-hmm. from the campaign guide but um yeah when you sleep that's what happens to you like okay you just kind of let your spirit release not every forge does this but forge is usually one of the terms they use for it is unchaining instead of sleeping okay it is a perfect escape from this hellish nightmare that we are in right now <laughs> roberto just... going through his emo stage <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that? Why'd you get that tattoo, Roberto? I don't even have moms. <laughs> like I hate road trips with the family. <laughs> so after about two days worth of travel, you make it to the outskirts of the travel city of Kosnik. The Falcon begins its descent towards the docks of one of the oddest cities most of you have ever seen. In the middle of a wide-reaching, peaceful valley is a splendid city of marvels. Paved streets made from some sort of black, gravel-like rock make up the pathways of the city. The buildings come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, everything from old steeples that now serve as produce markets to long buildings made of bricks, mortar, and glass. The placement of the buildings seems to be very well planned, as the deeper into the city you go, the higher the buildings get. Just as interesting as the city are the people. From here you can see commoners with one set of clothes to their name, sharing the streets with well-to-do merchants and people of a higher class, wearing what you can only assume are the garments of dukes and duchesses. Everyone seems rushed and cautious. You don't see a carefree face in the crowd. Your eyes are drawn to the large metallic cylinders that hold up yet another layer of the city. Each of these pillars has a steam lift, similar to the one you saw in Fallis, that takes place between the two levels. The city below the upper layer seems to be the sort of area you would avoid unless you're looking for trouble. Vasa, while looking around, comments, These fellas look like they could use a drink. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the captain's kind of uh, giving out orders, making sure everyone's on top of their game, coming in for a safe entry into the port. And before you guys know it, you're properly docked. And uh, before you go, uh, the captain of the ship comes up to you and says, I know that it sounds like you guys have a lot of plans. You've got a pretty busy schedule, it seems. But I can't get over how impressed I was at what you all did back in the mountains. And I'm wondering if you would be interested in any way, shape, or form in staying on board for a little while. Because I could really use this kind of protection. Especially with two gunslingers. What exactly, where exactly do you plan to go that you need uh, protection? 
Um, the next place we're going, we're taking a, a large crate of, I don't know what, to uh, the city of Dormanir. Are you familiar? I'll fill you guys in real quick, just so you know. Uh, Dormanir was the kingdom that initiated, in, in a lot of ways, the Mages' War. Um, the war that is the reason why they are forged. And it's also the kingdom that the five masters, the gunslingers... Um, that teach other gunslingers the gunslingers creed and how to craft and uh, create firearms. Dormanir had used them to try to create weapons for war, and the gunslingers rose up against them and destroyed most of the city. Like, it, it wiped out the entire government. With no other help, as I recall. Right, just the five of them. Dang, they're pretty badass. They are indeed badass. Uh, And then they became known as the Five Masters, if I recall correctly. And even though their beliefs and methods differed, uh, they created the Gunslinger's Creed held by every student. If I recall. Is, Is she sharing this knowledge? She's she's talking out loud, yeah. <laughs> she's sort of staring at a in a blank space. <laughs> the, the captain kind of nods and he goes, "That is correct." Thank you. Vasa uh, claps her hands together, and she says, "Well, first of all, if we were ever to do such an escort, we should absolutely know what we're escorting. I say we pop open one of those crates because we got to make sure we're protecting and escorting the right thing." And not unduly putting ourselves in dangerous way. Well, we're in dangerous ways if you go to Dormanir. There's no way around that. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty tough city. But um, unfortunately, part of the contract of delivering these goods is that I didn't look inside. They won't know. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> well, I mean, my personal honor would know. Oh, so that's totally a move where you open it and it kills you instantly, right? Like they're like, don't open it, and then you open it, and then you die. And it becomes folklore. I, uh... <laughs> I don't. I hope not. It, it just it feels that way to me, and I've, okay. I've, well, I've seen a reason, lot of things. I'm more convinced than ever not to open it. Then hmm. uh, we don't want to spring a death trap, I guess. It just it feels it feels deathy. It's a little heavy <laughs> on the death. Um, I'd of course want to run this by uh, our new friend. What's her name? <laughs> and as you turn to look at Claiborne, you see that she's being escorted down the ship by Brummelstone, and they're kind of heading off together. Are they giggling like little little teenagers? There, there might be a snicker or two. Brummelstone, wait! Are you cool with us leaving for a few days, Brummelstone? Brummelstone! Brummelstone! Uh, Brummelstone! Uh, like, just leave him. How, uh, aren't we supposed to be, like, the delivery of the shard is in an, in another city? Like, this is just a stopping point. Where is the other city located? Um, Coastin is, is pretty far from here. It's almost it as between, far as you, what's up? Is it between, uh, where we are now in Dormanir? No, no, it's, uh, it, it's pretty much to the east. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so everything is in the opposite direction. It's about, yeah, because uh, Cosnet kind of sits in the middle of everything since it's a mm. huge travel hub. Okay. This is yeah. Would, Vasa just kind of like said that loud. We don't have the time. Yeah. Agreed. Well, that's that's too bad. 
Next time you're at a port, look for us and see if we got any work for you, because I would honestly love to have you with us. Well, Vasa kind of raises and she's like, well, wait a minute, Captain. You did say that you owed us for saving your lives back there. We require passage onwards to our destination, wherever that was. <laughs> Coast in. Coast in. Coast in. Where Coco lives. Yes, Grandmother. <laughs> we still require passage to Coast in, and if you were to carry us there, that would be proper repayment of Un- our Unfortunately, heroism. and... Uh, I will help you out, but I can't fly you there because airships don't fly that far. Like, you're going to want to take the jump rail if you're going to go there. Ertlebee and Tin, you would know this. The jump rail is this huge mechanical steam-driven contraption that people ride um, pretty much everywhere the airships don't go. They have large rails that travel the planet, taking people to different places. No one knows how they work because uh, the Dwarven faction that controls the steam tech over here, the Brotherhood of Iron, um, they're the only ones that operate it in conjunction with the Proctor Travel Company, um, the travel company that runs a lot of the ports and businesses connected to traveling. So Ertlebee would like tug on the captain and demand to or inquire politely uh, about his future travel plans because if he is looping back eventually to follow us maybe he could pick up Tompkins for us Ta- Tompkins Ooh, good call. he's um very short and very dopey he's got a good heart but we must never let him know that he must always buy for our approval this is the only way our relationship with Tompkins works I see Anyway, I think we may or may not have sent him a raven, uh, in which case he could always already be on his way here. But you sent him a raven. Also, make yes, um, the second raven actually. It's uh, very cool. Uh, I would say it is twice as fast and furious as the first raven. Uh, <laughs> in that, yeah, exactly two times. Um, but. <laughs> But I'm not sure if we did that or not. I might be remembering. No, we did. We, we did. did. We did. Oh, okay. Yes. How long would it take, theoretically, if Raven Too Fast Too Furious were to make it there? How long? Because how long would it take a Raven to get there and back? <laughs> and he looks at you guys. and He's like, "If you don't know, I don't know. I don't know the uh, travel speed of a of a Raven." <laughs> no, really? You call yourself or... a captain? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> Friends, I think we should spend this time going around cosmic and touching everything and really appreciating the flavor of this beautiful city. And we might actually run into my son, Torrance, even though he is a little, he's a little dirty. And I mean this lovingly, but he's kind of, he's a little, he needs to shower more. But he's in the city too, I'm just saying. The captain's, uh, his eyebrows kind of raising, he's like, that's your grandson? Oh, my, yeah, my son, Torrance. Your son or grandson? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I mean, um, I, I also have grandchildren here. Torrance has uh, a wonderful daughter, Monica, and he just had twin boys with his girlfriend, Tressa. That's wonderful, grandmother. Let's let's go look for him, yeah? What? Yeah. But I haven't told you about his girlfriend, Tressa, yet. <laughs> well, I would love to meet her in person. And frankly, I am a little bit tired of our encounters with death. So really, Captain, we, we, we cannot go with you. Yes, yes, yes. Do you know Torrance? 
Yeah, he's fantastic. He um, He's working at the gallery right now, isn't he? It's a very fancy, well-to-do uh, restaurant, kind of tavern area. Um, and he walks around regaling everybody with stories. I mean, <laughs> I guess we can see him. as kind of... Oh, this is going to be awkward. He's a great storyteller, and I'm sure he'd love to see you. Well, I would like to see... He's yes, yeah, yeah we're, let's go. Let's let's go see Torrance. <laughs> they, this is a good idea and something I want to do. <laughs> and he says, uh, real quick, and he um pulls out a pouch and he goes, This should pay your way to Coaston. Class's brows go high up. Excellent, oh. Captain. And Thank you. Um, it is an immensely uh, heavy pouch. <laughs> Lots of gold. He's like, There's one to yeah, yep. This should pay for you. Wow. We are in your debt, Captain. No, no, no. Our debt's paid. Hence the pouch and uh, my lack of funds. It's a figure of speech. Just take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody <laughs> salty about Rumbleston having a new lady. <laughs> yeah, it's a little way. bit. <laughs> as, uh, as Vasa is accepting the heavy bag of gold, she says... We shall accept this as a token of your gratitude, Captain, but there is no, I believe there is no true way to measure the service we rendered upon you and your men. We'll he just kind of rolls day. his eyes. And he goes, we won't collect one day, but um, this is a good start. You want to head over to Proctor Travel Company over there. They're going to sell you the tickets to the jump rail. <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure. And he just kind of nods and turns around and starts working with his crew to get the ship ready. Uh, Earl, he would like him to sign her exfoliation book. So she she goes up. She's like, please sign. And so uh, he writes his name, Captain Gideon of the Falcon. Thank you, Captain Gideon of the Falcon. <laughs> he just kind of smiles and nods. Vasa would have made a wave at the crewman's like, enjoy your flight, crewman. Enjoy your lives paid for by our blood. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> How much gold was in the bag? Uh, the, the gold in the bag is 700 gold, enough to pay your way to Coastal. <gasps> That's so many elephants! I was okay. gonna say, that's enough for a lot of elephants. <laughs> Vasa will give, um, she'll quickly go through it, and she like, she f- she like thumbs through the gold so quickly, you're like, how could she possibly have counted all that? But you know, she did. Um, she gives, <laughs> she gives Erdelby, Tin, and Roberto each roughly, um, what turns out to be a hundred gold. <laughs> well, this seems very fair. And I trust you completely, Vasa. Thank you. Yeah. I don't notice anything weird about this transaction. And I will pass on the same amount to uh, Brimstone when we find our love-struck brother. All right. So you... uh, well, before we go, nobody tell Torrance we have money. Just, just, just don't even bring it up, okay? Like, just okay. Now let's. Sorry, Pedro. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you depart from the airship, and I. Uh, once you come down, the area is extremely busy. There are airships all over, um, but the one place that's completely flooded with people is the Proctor Travel Company's uh, main building, which is where they do all of their business. Um, you'd have, you're going to have to kind of fight to get your way in there, though, and it might be difficult to stay together. It's so busy in there. <gasps> Can Tin kind of take the charge and be like, Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> Split the crowd. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Tim goes forward, starts kind of pushing, moving and shaking people, um, and kind of is kind of helps herd you all together <laughs> as you make your way to the first line um, where you wait for about a half hour. The line moves very slowly. People at the booth don't seem too concerned with making sure the line moves faster. Uh, everyone in line has a different question or concern or complaint. Um, this is unlike anything most of you have probably ever encountered on your worlds. <laughs> because, frankly, this level of commerce doesn't exist on your worlds. Wow. <laughs> yeah, your line starts outside the building. Um, the building is this huge, beautiful structure with um, large panes of glass up top. Um, it's surrounded by beautiful pillars with intricate designs on them that don't seem... Even even Ertleby and Tin know that this is art for art's sake. That doesn't mean anything. It's just like, this would make us look more dignified. Uh, <laughs> like, it has all these kinds of symbols and stuff, but they don't mean anything. They're just flourishes. You wait for a half hour, and then finally what? you get in. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask, um, what does the person who's standing in front of us look like? The person standing in front of you is a heavyset person with uh, long, long brown hair that, although it doesn't start at the top, it uh, ends towards the buttocks region. Um, <laughs> they have a large axe on their back, and they have the furs of different animals that they've killed. And he looks completely out of place with the rest of this dignified city. Yeah. Last I may or may not have sized him up and done nothing. Hello, young man! Hello! Hello! Hello. He turns around and he's like, Good day. What nice hair you have. Oh, thank you very much. It's it's quite a pain to maintain, but uh, it's needed. From where do you come? Excuse me? But from whence hail ye? I'm sorry, you just have an axe and you look strange, so I'm using a weird way of speaking. That's uh, because I am an actor. <gasps> what? Are you fluent in the word? <laughs> no, I'm no bard, no. Uh, that, that's who writes the scripts, but uh, I am an actor. Can you teach us uh, acting? And he kind of smiles, like, as if he gets this a lot. He's like, well, I, uh, unfortunately, no, not right now. I, I cannot. But, uh, uh, thank you for your interest, and, uh, have a nice day. And he turns around. <laughs> he must be very important. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a famous actor? He turns around, and he says, ah, I've done some productions I'm quite proud of, yes. Like what? Well, have you seen uh, Two Furs and a Trampoline? No, but I've been in other parts. <laughs> that's for the best. That's that's my that's my worst. <laughs> do, do his axes look real? Um. <laughs> no. Yeah, Vasa's gonna reach out. Upon and examination, she's gonna, no. Yeah, Vasa's gonna be like, "Oh, what fine weapons you have, uh, actor!" Oh. And she kind of like reaches out to sort of test one of the edges of the axes with her thumb just to see if it's sharp or not. No, it kind of bends when you touch. <laughs> yeah, she says, oh hey, can I see that? And she, without uh, waiting, tries to grab it off of him. He looks like he has to deal with this a lot. Um, as if like when he travels, people are always asking about his career and what he has to deal with. So he just kind of smiles and nods and waits. 
And then Vasa says, oh, you know, I always wish I knew what to do with axes, really, because, you know, swinging them is just so hard for me. And then Vasa kind of, like, does a few test swings, and then, whoops, she actually lets the axe fly, and it flies, like, 50 feet away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wind catches it a little. Yeah, the wind catches a little, light prop. And Vasa goes, oh, oh my, I'm sorry. He kind of thinks about for a second, and then he sizes you guys up, and he's like... Uh, it's not mine. It's the uh, it's the studio, so they can buy me a new one. I'm not getting back in line. The boss says, mm, "Yeah, good thing my blades are real. I've been meaning to, you know, cut my hair lately, and uh, I think I would do it something like this." And she kind of like whips out a dagger. He backs up as soon as you start talking. He's like, "If I were you, I would not brandish those weapons in this city. Are you not familiar with the Brotherhood of Iron?" Vasa pauses as she's twirling her dagger, and she says, Go on. <laughs> the Brotherhood of Iron, the dwarven uh, collection that runs this fine city. They're also the government, and the city guards, and the jump rail operators, and they don't take kindly to violence in their city. Uh, Vas is also an actor. That's um, that's a fake dagger. She's a very good actor. <laughs> Isn't that right, Vasa? Pokes Vasa you in the wound. Vasa twirls her dagger and says, Yes, I had you going, didn't I? I am actually playing a murderer, but that's just all acting. <laughs> and she she sheathed her dagger. <laughs> she she goes, well, as a as a fellow actor, I would appreciate it if you returned my axe. Oh, I can't. I'm actually very weak because I'm not a very successful actor. I haven't eaten in a while. I'm just... I can't go very far. You must struggle in your profession then since that was mostly made of foam. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. So he turns around. He's done with you. Vasa <laughs> leans down and she says, This is rapidly becoming my second least favorite city. <laughs> Guys, think of what we could have done with the actor as our NPC if we hadn't just trolled him so hard. But now I'm really committed to trolling him really hard <laughs> instead of getting him to join our party. Young man, young man, hello, he turns young man. around one more time. Yes. Do you know this, the bard here? The Torrance? Yeah. He's my son. Very nice. Very nice. Congratulations. He's a fine, fine bard. He's very good. He is. He's bad at a lot of things, but pretty good at that. I'm um, sure he appreciates you saying that. Yes. Yes. And he turns around. <laughs> Wait, I didn't even get to ask you for free tickets to your play. He... <laughs> He uh, leans forward to somebody and talks to them for a second, and then produces a, a little bit of coin, and then buys his way in front of them, and then continues doing this for three more slots until there's three people ahead of you. We could have had such adventures with that young man. So much coin to spend freely. He must be a very successful actor. And Vasa kind of leans out of line and says, oh, successful actor. Look, it's a famous actor over there. Right over there. The guy with the hair. Look. And he turns around, he's like, Why are you so mean? I know, know any of you. And he gives you a wink, and everyone's kind of frightened, and they step back, like, well, Who is this guy? Oh, oh, he just winked at us. We're friends now. Oh. 
He's he's taking his like. Are we Vasa, friends now? Cause you weep. Vasa steps out of the car. She's like, "What do you mean? We're friends!" And she cuts in front of the people that he bought his way, and be like, and goes to like throw an arm around the head. But like, we're friends. Look, this is my famous actor friend. And then she kind of motions for everybody else to also cut the line. And the people are real mad as soon as you cut the line. Like they start kind of like bickering, complaining, and he's like, "I will be forced to call the Brotherhood." But you for leaked. line cutting. For this continued harassment. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look at how that checks. <laughs> <laughs> and heel behind you are getting more and more mad. You need to get back in line. You think I've been here since the, this morning so that you can stroll on up and make actor friends and try and get in good with somebody? Like You need to get back there right now. Well, wait, wait. How long have the people been in line? The people so here say they've been now? in line for like the whole morning. Get yourself some charisma. Maybe you'd make some friends yourself. But uh, <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> Vasa, Vasa kind of looks at the team and she says, "The city needs more than a drink. I don't know if two drinks could help this city." <laughs> what are we in line for again? Sorry. <laughs> at this point, you're not sure if you know, but you were told to come into this building in order to secure passage on the jump rail. Oh, really? I thought we were going to the... I thought we were in line for a restaurant this entire time. I'm very sorry. No. I've been very confused. <laughs> Everyone in line, I apologize. My behavior was just because I thought we were in line <laughs> for, for art. This is not how you behave when you're in line for tickets. <laughs> and Earl B walks back several Actually, no, no it makes it makes sense. It's like they were it's told like to go to a line, and we they just actually, all got to line with different concepts of what yeah. they were doing. We had Very no idea. classic of the team. We're actually lost. So. Yeah, we're <laughs> lost. That's okay. that's totally fine. <laughs> so after a half hour, um, you guys do get inside the building, um, and the people in front of you are talking about uh, how relieved they are that finally the line started moving. Once you get inside, you are directed to go into different lines based on what you want. Since you guys all want the jump rail to coast in, you are directed to another line. And that line only takes you about 15 minutes before you jump into the next line. And the next line is basically based on what sort of seating you would like. Would you like the bare minimum? Would you like what they call um, basically first class? Or would you like uh, the exquisite seating section? How much are these? The price for a ticket to go to Kosin in the base level is 116 gold and and 6 silver. What's the first class? The first class, if you want to go that way, is 300 gold apiece. (laughs) Bullshit. We got (laughs) stiffed by the captain. (laughs) It's... It's all I'm... right. I will pull from my personal stores to yeah. find <laughs> Thank you, Vasa. You are so it's... generous. We are a team. We are on this one thing together. <laughs> so, I guess Vasa would collect the hundred from each of the team members <laughs> and then step forward to purchase exactly uh, five tickets. So if you're going to get in line for the base, that line's pretty long and pretty slow moving. The uh, line for first class is serving drinks right now and seems to be moving at a pretty quick pace. And then they take them into a special room if they're buying the next level. Um, So you continue to wait for probably another hour and a half. 
And then finally you get up there and the ticket lady, she is a uh, very short, frizzled, hairier than you're comfortable with um, halfling. <laughs> and uh, she says, uh, so where are you going? We are Coast heading to the... Uh, one one, one Coast person, I, I can't hear all of you at once. It's really Fire. weird. Coasting. Coasting. That's that's nice. That's nice. Um, and then she mumbles something that sounds like it's supposed to be friendly banter, but she never makes it loud enough for you guys to participate. And then um, she rings you up one sixteen and six silver. And then she passes you these uh, small copper coins with intricate designs in them. And she's like, "This is the token to get on. Don't lose it. No refunds." Okay. Where can we put these? They'll be safe. I'd put them in your pouch or your pocket. Um, you know, I don't know. Underneath your hip. Is she really bad at small talk? Yeah, she's, she just looks like tired and angry. <laughs> Let's try to get her to join our party, everybody. <laughs> Hello, no, 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 no. I think I think I've had enough of this room and these people and, you know. Vasa seems a little bit irritated as well. Mm-hmm. She's like, let's just go. Yeah, let's let's get out of here. This that witty and line count is a long rest. <laughs> <laughs> no. It doesn't yeah. even count as a short rest, unfortunately. Wow. Alright, so you finally make your way out of the area and down the um darkened paved roads. Where are you where are you heading to? When does our boat the jump rail leave? Two days. Two days. Okay. Oh, okay. So we can probably head over to see Ertlebee's favorite son now, right, Ertlebee? Are you sure you don't want to see that actor's play? I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. He uh, had an axe. I don't know. You guys are kind of mean to him, and I feel like I was supposed to feel bad, but... <laughs> I grandmother, <laughs> I would love to see these children that you're always going on and on about. Let us see, finally, your... Son, this bard figure who everybody seems to know. Yes. Yeah. Uh yes. Let's let's go see Torrance. Uh you guys make your way through the city. It's bustling and busy. What's your passive perception checks? Sixteen. Eleven. Wait, no, I think 11. I lied. I actually meant twelve. Uh oh. We're in a peaceful city, Pedro, have mercy. Uh, Ertlby takes this time to apologize. She's like, oh, I'm sorry if I've uh, seemed underwhelmed about meeting Torrens. Obviously, I love him very much, just as I love all of my children and most of my grandchildren. Uh, he just He's had money trouble in the past, and it's led to awkward encounters. So hopefully he's not, not in massive amounts of debt to the Brotherhood. Vasa kind of perks up at that, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your son is in a lot of debt and hunted by the city officials? Oh, hopefully not. He's just, he's had uh, problems uh, in the past. Um, But it seems like people, a lot of people here seem to know his name. So I I would like to think maybe since the last time you've seen him, he's somehow found success. Yes. uh, Maybe. Let's say maybe. No, Vasa's nose is twitching a little, and she kind of looks at Erdovisa and she's like, Grandmother, if we were to associate ourselves with your son, might we place ourselves in a compromising position? Um, 
grandmother. No, no, he's just just don't believe like two thirds of what he says. It's one of the things that makes him a good bard and uh, a really bad confidant. He really likes lies. <laughs> Roberto and Vasa, um, you notice that people here are really rough. They bump into you, and God. there's two people that bump into you that, like, uh, you kind of see them coming at you, and you both move out of the way, like, geez, what's wrong with this city? They're so vicious. But um, luckily, no one's really, like, bumping into or, like, messing with Tin or Ertleby, it seems. Does my bag feel lighter all of a sudden? Hmm, probably not. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, Tin would, she, uh, she knows at all times, you know, she's very conscious of how much money and how many things are worth, so she would instantly get a sense of, hmm, I feel like I'm missing 90 gold. That's an astute observation. Well, she is a machine, she so she like exact amount of grams that are gone. She's like, that is exactly enough for ninety gold coins. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, you see, Tin reach for her pouch like suddenly, and then pull up an empty pouch. <gasps> oh. Uh, can I look around and see if there's anyone that like is making off quickly? No one. Uh, uh, can Vasa also quickly scan the crowd as well? The moment Tin brings us to light. Yeah, give me a perception check. All right, Bloodhound Vasa is on the is on the job. Four <laughs> All right. <laughs> so she rolled a nineteen. Oh, nope. Yeah. All clear. No. Oh. Tin is fuming uh, because she knows that her dreams of getting an elephant have been di- quickly oh. dashed. <laughs> we had so much money, we lost it all over the course of like a morning. Yeah, so you unfortunately find your pouch to be made and consisting only of leather. Um. <laughs> they took everything, Tim? The the thing that Vasa, you actually kind of pick up on is the fact that her pouch is empty. Her pouch is not missing. Mm-hmm. That's skill. Yeah, it is. Uh. <laughs> in fact, the, the moment that um, Vasa would have like straightened up to scan the crowd and she, with her sharp eyes, the fact that she can't see the thing <laughs> instantly makes her go like, shit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but can I just share with the group, Pedro messaged me and he goes, how much gold do you have? And I was like, 90. And I made a sad face because everything is so expensive uh-huh. in the city. Oh and then he goes, God. not anymore. And he made a sad face back at me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, dear. The same thing happened to me. But I only lost 10 gold. Uh, we should really make sure nobody steals, you know, the you know what. Starts with an S. And Vasa just kind of like winks, uh, kind of nods down at Erdogan. She says... They'll have to try their best. It's in my butt. Last <laughs> <laughs> you should put it in your butt. <laughs> Thank you for that, Pedro. I don't know why I said that. Can she just like look down and find maybe like a single, almost like a, a copper, just a copper piece <laughs> like on the ground? It's like, got one. You actually do see a copper piece on the ground, but before you can reach it, some little kid picks it up and runs off. 
Can I trip that kid before they <laughs> yeah, run off? You, you can go for it if you'd like to trip a child. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try tripping that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an attack roll. <laughs> <laughs> she has nothing to lose. Torchin <laughs> is ruthless. I'm writing down a, a title suggestion. Hold on a second. It's called <laughs> Tin Trips a Kid. <laughs> I got a 17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the kid goes crashing to the ground. Uh, and the coin falls out and kind of rolls like a little bit. Tin picks up the coin. Fasa actually would speed over to the kid and crash over him. What does the kid look like? Um, He just looks like he wasn't meant to have a description. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Small little ginger full of freckles and missing teeth. Yeah, Vasa would be like, oh my, oh my, that was quite a tumble you did. And she'd sort of like jostle him up as in the pretense of trying to help him stand up. But she's actually quickly patting him down to see if he's hiding anything on his body. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, a uh, weapon. Uh, and then when Vasa's uh, hand stops over that, she kind of looks directly into the child. And she's like, that's quite a dangerous thing for a young lad like yourself to carry. And he pulled out his slingshot and he's like, really? Hmm. Oh, you should have told me to go slingshot. <laughs> but anyway, and then, um, but this, is there anything else to be found? Hey, that's a good typical lower income child. Like maybe he lives down below and snuck up here uh, in the hopes of something better. Hey, kid, what's your name? My name is Scenic, um, and I'm 10 years old, and I've been trying to find a way to live up here for the past two weeks. Do you guys have any work that I could do? Any kind of are you guys hiring at your different jobs that you have? Grandmother, do you know your way around the city? I've visited uh Torrance and his children a couple of times, yes. Uh <laughs> I know a few places, I think. And how many uh, places do you know, little chum? Uh I've been Probably a third of the city since I snuck up here. I'm not supposed to be up here. And do you have a friend here? I don't have any friends up here, and he just keeps looking still. Well, you must. You're looking for them. No, I'm trying to make sure that, like, maybe the Brotherhood isn't around. Because I don't want them to throw me back down. Well, you survived so long as a street child. You have to know... If there is a thieves' guild in the city, or some kind of organized crime, do you think I should join a thieves' guild? No, we, no, we just I'm just wondering. I, I I don't know. I can start looking for one, I guess. And he kind of shakes free of you a little bit and takes off running. Hey, hey wait! I have food. <laughs> he comes back. Really? I have. <laughs> I, how about this, kid? We're heading to the gallery. How about I'll give you this one? Okay. Can I have like a bunch of rations? I never. Use. Can I give him one ration? Yeah. And I'll be like, hey, you give this and like you look around for any pickpockets. Or if you have any information on pickpockets, we're going to be at the gallery later. Come find us there. Absolutely. I'll find them. Mm-hmm. He quickly like unwraps the ration and starts eating it as he runs down the street. I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but. <laughs> Tin looks around for any other kids that she might be able to trick. <laughs> <laughs> she's been here one day and she's already become one with the street life <laughs> can she get like a like top hat 
like for London <laughs> popper style and like a ratty old jacket. Um, <laughs> oh, we forgot to ask for directions to the tavern. I know the way. So you head on over? We do. All right. When you come across the gallery, finally, um, you see it's a long building with pillars at the entrance that support nothing. Like, the pillars are there purely for decoration. Again, with those intricate markings that really don't mean anything. Um, It has no windows at all. Like, the entire building is sealed up inside. There's a small line. It won't take you too long to get in. Who's ahead of us? Um, Just a uh, old elderly couple. How old? The city and lines. <laughs> um, it's two dwarves, so they're old. Like they look elderly, which means they're far older uh, in terms of like a human's age, but white hair, wrinkles. Dwarves here take a long time to get to know. Ertel be with stage whisper. <laughs> they don't really like humans. <laughs> And, it, like, by the time they're maybe going to consider you their friend, you die. But my son <laughs> Grover has done quite well making friends with them. Yeah, both Tin and Erdley would know that, yeah, the <clears throat> the dwarves that pretty much guard and control the uh, advancement of Steam Tech on COG, um, that's very true. They don't ever really interact with other people. They try to make it a rule never to associate with the other races for the most part. Depending on how knowledgeable you are on the history of COG, uh, either both or one of you would know that um, they're the safekeepers of the knowledge of Steam Tech given to them by the gnomes who passed it down and then disappeared from the planet. Considering what the city is like, I bet there were young people by the when they first got into line. <laughs> uh, you guys um are able to make it into the restaurant the old couple is served and walking into the restaurant you find yourselves at the front of a long hallway a single luxurious red carpet stretches from end to end with tables scattered about your eyes are immediately immediately drawn to the various works of exotic art hanging from the walls paintings statues rugs and more diverse pieces decorate the pearl hued surfaces walking from table to table with grand gestures and questionable fashions as a walking storyteller with short but light auburn hair, a boldly exposed neckline, and a forgivable smile. A stone pedestal stands before you with a single sheet of parchment, a quill, and a small bottle of ink. The woman behind the pedestal allows you a moment to take in the majestic quality of the restaurant before she brings herself into your world. She steps up and she lets her presence fill yours. Um, at least that's how she feels about it. And then she says, welcome. And thank you so very much for considering the gallery. Uh, Cosnick's finest art slash tavern stronghold, uh, monument. Um, how many will be uh, sitting with you today? How much does it cost? To sit? Oh, that's. To simply enjoy the gallery, to partake in the wondrous works of the bold and daring arts that we've collected for you, the rotating gallery, oh, that that doesn't cost you anything. It's our privilege to provide you with an experience such as this. Four of your finest free seats. 
<laughs> she kind of laughs and uh, she looks around and she leads you in. You can see um, this uh, kind of bold and loud but clean looking individual <laughs> walking around and he he smiles at you and nods and he continues doing his storytelling and stuff and um, you're seated at a table and she says we'll be right with you with menus. Uh, the second Erlebee saw Torrance, she started, like, clapping quietly and happily. And all is forgiven for her right now. <laughs> She's just so excited to see him. Um, is that your son? Yes, oh, the one God. with the deep V. The deep <laughs> It's a, It's a deep V neck. Oh, you're, oh. you're, a, you're a robot. Uh <laughs> Yes, uh, it's it's what's like when you have a shirt and then you button it down like halfway. He he just likes oh. that look. Oh, I see like humans one? do this to expose their chest hair. He uh, is not doing it for that purpose. Oh, as in he does not have chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> why does not he? Why does your son have no chest hair? I think he gets it from my husband's mother's side. They're hairless people. It, it really worried me uh, when I found out. But we chose to reproduce, so <laughs> I knew the risks. I see. Shall bring follicles back to this bloodline. <laughs> this is really much nicer than I was expecting. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Maybe Torrance has got his life together. You guys get your menus and you kind of look over them and start making some choices, considering. And then this boisterous individual uh, walks over to you and he says, And how are you doing? And he smiles directly at Ertleby. I am an adventurer now. Oh, really? Oh, really? Since when? Since I got commanded to be an adventurer by the King of Dreams. Come give me a hug. Oh, sure, sure. And he comes and gives you a hug. <laughs> and he says, How are you? Very good. You're very sober right now. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, I am at work. I don't partake in the drink uh, until after hours. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. Friends, you should meet my son, Torrance. Everybody introduce yourselves. Hi. Hi, hi, everyone. Hello. And he kind of <clears throat> kind of straightens up a little bit, and he um, kind of bows towards you, and he says, what, uh, what, are you, what are you doing here? We came to see you. That's great. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Erdogan uh, said some really, like, bad things about you. <laughs> that's now. All right. <laughs> I did, but then I took them back a second ago, didn't I? Oh, okay. I understand now. This is a social faux pas. Okay. Sorry, Erdogan. It's okay, Mr. Forged. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> mother, how have you been? How have you been? Very good. Uh, I'm pretty awesome right now. We are saving the world. Uh, by the way, don't go to sleep near me because I don't want you getting murdered. So if you see me asleep, you should... Leave. Just leave the area. Uh, it's a little bit of sadness creeps into his eyes as he hears you talk like this, and he's like, Sure, sure thing, Mother. Sure thing. <laughs> Have you met Vasa? Uh, just now, just now. And he says, uh, Vasa, hi. Uh, my, my name is Torrance. 
and um, kind of bows and offers his hand. Yeah, Vasa would clasp it hardly like, Torrance, son of grandmother, I have been dying to meet you. How are you? And the moment you do that, he kind of like fills his arm with strength and kind of brings it back to you too. And he's like, I'm doing rather well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I heard you were a successful... And she kind of pauses. This is Bard, Bard. You are a successful Bard, aren't you? I am. I am. I have a little bit of a reputation here. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm um, both the uh, storyteller and the bouncer for this fine establishment. Hmm. And, well, you must be famous because half the people on our way here knew about you. You, you built yourself up. Nothing that I expected. Yeah, yeah. I've done okay from it. What, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, no, uh, no. I was just thinking that... Do you, you, you must be wealthy. Mother, why are you here? Adventuring. I told you already. This is my friend Tin. She's a forged. And financially, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I mean, I did get robbed on the way here, so I'm very poor. But Mother. besides that, I'm fine. Really, I just need it for elephants. What? <laughs> elephants. Okay. Okay. Do you have one? No. Not not with me, mother, but I'm I, I'm sure we can get one for you if uh when we get the time for it. He's using the voice that means he thinks I'm crazy. Uh oh, man, he won't be saying that when there are nightmares killing everyone around us. And he's like, Why didn't I leave when she told me to leave if I ever saw her asleep? Anyway, this is Tim. Mother, She's you know a force. She's not lying. Oh, yeah, okay. Tin, Tin uh, is like staring this guy down and not liking the way he's talking to Ertleby. So she's just kind of uh, coolly looking at him and not really acknowledging him with any words just yet. Well, she is tired. In fact, we're all very tired. You wouldn't happen to know a place we could lay our heads, would you? Oh, uh, yeah, let me, um... Let me ask around and see if I can um, pull some strings for you. And uh, with that, he says, you you have a uh, lovely lunch. And he uh, walks away and begins uh, trying to pull himself together and start sharing stories with other tables again and kind of getting back into his groove. And by the second table, he seems to kind of return to, um, you know, who, who he was when he first came in. And uh, there's a couple nearby that's eating and they just kind of shake their heads in sadness. Um, and who perceptions again? Um, Vasa has a 15. Who else? 16. 16. 16. Thank you. 11. 11, 12, 12. and 10. 11. Okay, so Vasa's the only one that hears. He tells them a story and then he walks away and they're like, he's just really fallen apart recently. Vasa would yeah. keep that to herself. Okay. All right. You have someone come out to take your order. Do you guys go fancy? The the prices here um, start at one gold per item, and they only get higher. No, nothing. Nothing for a copper. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. the The menu assures you that, um, in its own special way, that even the tips start at one silver. You notice that um, as you spend time drinking and relaxing, um, Torrance hasn't made his way back to you guys. Like, you kind of avoid your general area. He's thinking about mortality. This is what happens when he thinks I'm crazy. His own mortality, mostly. 
his, Grandma, his... when's the last time you spoke with Twice? It was probably five or six years ago, I think. If that if that sounds right. Uh, mm-hmm. right after his twins were, were born. And was it like did you guys have any was it a sad goodbye? Did you guys leave on bad terms? It was pretty much par for the course with Torres. Uh, that said, he, for all of his foibles, was a great artist, a, a really superlative bard. On on this planet, uh, we call we call barding doing something with the word. There's the word. The word is the thing that bards do. Uh, and that's she says that you notice that he doesn't have any instruments. You guys, most of you are used to bards producing some kind of uh, music when they perform, but he simply go around and talking. But um, as he hears people, I mean, uh, sorry, as he speaks, you can see people start to become inspired uh, to a certain extent. But if you're overhearing any kind of stories he's telling Ertleby, uh, you're not impressed with his current work. Yeah, he like, sucks now. <laughs> Usually, when he works, like you kind of feel, uh, you kind of feel um, like you're filled with inspiration, that you feel motivated or excited. Whatever emotion he's um, conveying, you can feel it well up inside of you, and you kind of feel like you are a part of the emotions and the story that he tells. Right now, it just sounds like a guy talking. I mean, maybe he likes this. Maybe the the being good at art was making him miserable and unhappy and insolvent. And now that he's bad at it, <laughs> he's like, but got his life straightened out. I just, I just don't know what to do. Eventually you see um, the lady up front talking to him and she keeps pointing at you guys and she's like, go, you get over there and you like go. And he's like trying to argue with her, but eventually she wins and you see him come up and uh, start to tell you a story. A story about a mythical bunny-like creature that is on a search to find three magical relics across the land. Um, a jack-in-the-box, a small rubber ball, and some kind of a metal uh, spring that pours itself like liquid over different surfaces. And and it's a pretty trash story. Roberto's like clapping his hands. <laughs> he's so excited. <laughs> like he's just kind of blowing through it really fast. That was awesome. Honey, what happened? What do you mean? I, well, nothing if you're happy. But if you're not happy, you should tell me what happened. I'm, do- I'm doing great. What are you talking about? Bunny? Really? I remember some some epics from back in the day. Tin and Ertleby, give me history checks, if you I'm will. on it. Hang on one sec. Hi. Twelve. Seventeen. No, nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, so nothing really hits you, Tin, but Ertleby, you've heard this story before, and it's not his. Honey, you're, you're ripping off uh, a famous story. Everyone knows the story of that bunny with the three relics. <laughs> no. And then um, as he kind of shifts and um, moves around a little bit, you see uh, the doors open and four individuals uh, impeccably dressed. They all have um, 
finely tailored suits on um, and they quickly they walk up and they get seated right away and wherever the hostess was going to seat them um, they walk right past her and when she starts to protest one of them turns around puts a hand on her shoulder whispers something to her and gives her something and she says of course of course and uh, they walk through everybody and they come up to your table and uh, they say, excuse us for a moment. We need to speak to this individual, if you don't mind. And they're looking at Torrance. Okay, you're kind of well-dressed. You're not going to to hurt him, are you? <laughs> no, no. And you look at Torrance, and he looks nervous. Torrance, blink if they're going to hurt you. I'm his mom. <laughs> they kind of laugh. <laughs> There's... No, it's nothing like that. But we would uh, wish to speak to you in private, sir. Can uh, Vasa do a quick perception check to see if she can detect any weapons underneath their clothing? Yeah. Nope, it was a 13. Oh, yeah, so... Um, no, they're just nicely dressed. Would Tin have knowledge of what, what um, the Iron Whatever Brotherhood would look like? Would these be... No, these or- are all um, humans of average height and... Okay. Honestly, kind of weirdly average looks. <laughs> if you had to pick them out of a lineup, it would be kind of hard. There's nothing that really sticks out about them, um, except for the fact that they're finely dressed. There's no facial hair. They all have their hair kind of combed about the same way. Uh, Ertl B um, flings herself in front of Torrance. He's like, <sighs> he has to take care of me. I'm crazy. I think I'm on a dream mission. Ah! Come back tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, they say, uh, ma'am, if, if you would, please. We Just take a moment of her time. Mom rules. She, like, grabs his knees, because that's how tall she is. <laughs> Vasa um, would have stood up at this point, and she was. She looked just, gentlemen, I understand you are here on uh, important business, but... Clearly, it is distressing, my dear old friend here, to be separated from a son. Surely, whatever business you have, it can be tomorrow. We will not be here by tomorrow. I need you to make a strength check, uh, Ertleby. Oh, guess who's got beefy arms? <laughs> Ertleby. <laughs> Ertleby. Ertleby has got some nice stuff. She's got a plus four. Twenty-two. Oh, really, he ain't really moving. High. Uh, not high enough, unfortunately. No. <laughs> um, so two of them kind of move forward and shove you out of the way, while the other Whoa. two, yeah, they push you like five feet over. She stumbles into her own chair and goes backwards, and her back crushes, uh, cracks against the ground. My the two, in the same motion, move forward, and they both take blades out from their back that Vasa, you never saw. They actually have scimitars. They're a little weirdly shaped, and they kind of almost are bent in a way, like they seem kind of flexible, almost like they can, they can be put into the, the curve of their own backs, but the moment they pull them out, you're impressed with how quickly they become solid, hardcore weapons as they spin them, and they double shank torrents and then shove him off the blade and he falls back goes limp hits the ground face first and is bleeding Thanks for listening to episode 25, 10 Trips a Kid. I want to take a moment to kind of break from what I usually do and give a couple shout outs because um, 
this is, is 25 episodes, which is crazy to me. I've been doing this for, was it six months? Um, and I just want to take a second to really sit down and thank people who have made World Walkers possible. Obviously, I want to thank the World Walkers themselves, uh, Jane, Enzo, Wesley, Olivia, for coming together and making all of this happen, being an amazing group, and always working with me to make sure that they're not just having fun, but they're making sure that like the podcast is the best that it can be, um, all the art that they draw during the games they send my way to so I can share it with you. And it's just been an absolute privilege to have such a great group. So I want to thank them. And I especially want to thank Megan because I don't know how many of you know this, but Megan's kind of the reason all this came together. Uh, Megan had contacted me. We were friends before the podcast and she had contacted me and asked if I would want to run a game for her and her friends who were cartoonists. And I said, sure, but I was trying to make something happen. And I was like, can we record it in some way? Can we do something with it? And she said, yeah, talk to the group. And so because of her, all of this came together. So I want to send a big, big thank you to Megan for making this possible as well. I also want to thank my brother, Frank, because he has really stepped up to the plate and helped me launch this. Um, when we first started doing the episodes, uh, I really was kind of in over my head. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Like I've been GMing for a long time, but I don't know how to make a podcast. At least I didn't know how to make a podcast. And so I leaned a lot on his help and he was able to kind of earmark where problems were in the podcast. And that was huge. That was a huge help. I don't know if I had had the courage to start this whole thing if I didn't have him to kind of lean on. I also need to thank my wife, Jessica, who is just the most incredibly supportive and wonderful person that I ever met. Uh, <laughs> she lets me get away with spending so much time on this. It takes anywhere from 20 to 25 hours uh, to do the entire po each episode. And I really only have a day or two a week to do them because um, I'm, I'm, you know, I stay at home with my daughter and she gives me so much time to work on this. If I have to stay up late, she understands. Um, she also uh, is able to look when, you know, whenever this gets too stressful, whenever I start worrying that I'm messing it up or that I, I don't actually have, you know, what it takes to do this. She's always there to reassure me and help me not freak out so much. She's just the best, and because um, I honestly I, I couldn't do this or anything without her. And last but not least, I have to thank all of you, the fans, because obviously without you listening to it, none of this could happen. The fact that you guys want to hang out with us while we play is just the biggest compliment I could ever receive. You guys have been super supportive. I love talking with you all on Twitter and Facebook and wherever else we meet. And you're, you're just the best. I don't know. Um, my whole life has been able to change in about six months <laughs> because of how much support you guys threw at me. Obviously, I also want to thank uh, everyone who supports me on Patreon uh, because that has especially enabled me to really put as much work as I want into this. So I just, again, wanted to thank 
everyone involved the world walkers my brother my wife and i want to thank all of you thank you for listening thank you for supporting us and i can't wait to show you what's next <laughs> i love it i always get the next line wrong so i don't i don't ever sing it <laughs> Because like for a long time, without any explanation, I thought like the sweet caress of sex, and I didn't question it. <laughs> that maybe the wow. Lion King and Disney wouldn't have put that in there. Wait, Damn. now I can't think of the actual line. What's the actual I don't line? Know. I've never of, looked it up. Of Twilight, is it? Yeah, Twilight. I think There's the sweet caress of Twilight. That's too many syllables. Yeah, there's the magic sweet... in the air. The sweet I know caress of Twilight. Oh, really? <laughs> I was close. <laughs> um, no, it's not going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the night. Thank you. <laughs> I might lay that down on this on this podcast. Roboto just humming it to himself and then like punching himself. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Beep, boop, beep. <laughs> beep, boop. Beep, boop. <laughs> beep, boop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do any role playing tonight. I'm just going to make Lion King references the Long live the king. When I said Bertleby was throwing stuff off the side of the, the ship, I meant you fossil. You like dug your nails into each piece and then went. Ah. <laughs> you do that to every box. Long live the king. Long live the king. What is she doing over there? So fifteen hundred gold. What? Three hundred gold a piece. No, no, no. We're going. We're going. We're going. Um, um, um. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. Okay, sorry. Bare minimum. No. I thought. Oh yeah. (laughs) When they started thanking you, I was like. Fossil. No, we're just Ba-da-da. we're just really gullible. <laughs> yeah, no, they're like, oh yes, you're so generous. And I was like, don't, don't worry, guys, I got this. It's it, it's worth it for us to make it on our mission. So that's uh, did you say 116? 116 gold and six silver. And six silver. Uh, Vasa <laughs> yeah, would like, also be grumbling this as she's forking out of money. It's, it's very she, nitpicky. Hey kid, what's your name? Um, goddamn it! Also, what's your life story? <laughs> Would you like to join our adventuring party? Tell us your bloodline. <laughs> we are world walkers.